Thank you, ladies. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Of course, we continue our walk through the Christmas story. And just about every year we mention the fact that the people of Israel were experiencing a drought and a famine, not of food and not of water, but it had been 400 years since the nation of Israel had had a word from God, an inspired word to a prophet. They hadn't had a message directly from God in a long time. Now it looks like the angels are making up for lost time because we understand the first angel visit comes to Zacharias. The second angel visit comes to Mary. Here's a third one in just a short time coming to a man named Joseph. We all know Joseph. This morning we want to look at this announcement to Joseph and just ask ourselves the question, what kind of man is Joseph? What kind of man did God choose to be the guardian of the son, the little baby that would be born and become, of course, Jesus of Nazareth? What kind of man? Well, we see quite a bit of details in this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, being translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the details you give to us. We thank you for the work of the Christmas story. We thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. As we look at the beautiful messages of Christmas, let us never forget the greatest message of all is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And we ask that we would all know that as a reality, that all that hear this message will make sure that that's taken care of in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. There's a couple of things mentioned about Joseph specifically. And the other things, we must look at exactly the details of this passage of scripture, but there's quite a bit on telling us what kind of man was Joseph. We continue, though, of course, as the angel visits. Then her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. 
For while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. That which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. Those two verses give us a lot of information. First of all, it tells us Joseph was a just man. That's really about the only direct description that we have as far as Matthew telling us what kind of man Joseph was. He was a just man. Now, this very aspect is what had him troubled. And here's the situation. The marriage situation and the process was a lot different in those days than it is now. What would happen is this. The parents of the bride and the parents of the groom would get together and they would arrange the marriage. They would arrange what they would call the engagement. Of course, both parties, the prospective wife and the prospective husband, pretty much they would make sure they agreed with this. But it's pretty much arranged by your parents. Now, young people give that a thought. Then there was an official betrothal words here. We would call it an engagement, but it's much more serious than that. Once this couple was engaged or betrothed, that was as binding as marriage. That was as binding as marriage. They couldn't casually decide, oh, we're just two ships passing in the night and we're just going to go our own way. And they couldn't do that. There had to be an official ending of the betrothal. There had to be a document there had to be a legal proceeding. It was just like a divorce today that has to be filed in the courthouse. It was a serious thing. And so we understand that that's exactly what was going on. Of course, they were betrothed. They had entered into this agreement. We don't know how long that had been. But now, it looks like Mary has been unfaithful. We're not sure right now, but we pretty well could think that Mary has already explained to him what's going on. That's a lot to have to believe. But one thing that was obvious, she was expecting a child. They had not yet gotten married. So all the evidence was she had been unfaithful to him. That was major, serious, legal business in Jewish life at that time. And he was righteous in the fact that because he was righteous... The word righteous here means upholding the law. So not only had he been betrayed, the law of God had been betrayed. He was a just man and a righteous man. This demanded a response. He couldn't ignore it. He couldn't just pretend it didn't happen. The evidence was there. The appearance was there that Mary had been unfaithful. And this demanded a legal response. One option that he had which is what a lot of men would do, he could carry her to court. He could drag her in front of a judge. He could make a public example out of this woman who dared to betray him and make a mockery of the law. And she would be put to open public disgrace and shame. He upheld the law. He was a righteous man. He was a just man. And the law had been violated. That was one option. But also... Righteousness includes compassion. He said it was a just man. Now the word just means not just righteous upholding the law, but it also means fair. He was a fair man. He was a compassionate man. And Joseph 
no doubt loved her. Now the law demanded he do something, so he had another option. Instead of dragging her before the judge, he could just simply take two witnesses and go to her privately and have a document signed and have the engagement annulled right there. In fact, the document did not even have to have the accusation on it. He could save her the scandal. He could save her the embarrassment. He could save her any and all public shame. He would just simply quietly terminate the engagement. But it wasn't just something they had to agree to. There had to be a document involved. But he chose the kindest of the options. He was a just man. But also we see here he was a thoughtful man. In verse 20, while he thought about these things. Well, Joseph, what's there to think about? I can just imagine maybe some of his friends or some other people in town. There's nothing to think about. It's cut and dried. It's black and white. Nothing to think about. This has to be done. He thought about these things. The evidence was there. He was presented with the situation. The two options were there. But he did not act on impulse. Now what impulses would he have had? Hurt? Anger? Pride? I mean, if he'd been betrayed... Wouldn't that be an embarrassment to a guy? So we understand he didn't act on that because this didn't fit with the Mary that he knew. It didn't fit with what he knew about Mary. We know there was something quite special about Mary because the angel said, blessed are you among women. Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women. There was something special about Mary because God chose her to bring the Messiah into the world. So we understand Mary had to be upstanding. Mary had to be honest and true and of good character. He knew this about Mary. And the evidence, of course, just did not fit. Now, though others may have insisted there's just one thing to do, Joseph, he took time to think it over and even decided to sleep on it. Because, pay attention, the angel came to him in a dream. Now, when do we normally have dreams? We normally have dreams at night when we're in bed. So we can understand, unless he was taking a nap in the middle of the afternoon, we know that wasn't possible because of his occupation. He took time to sleep on it. That is a good practice for us to consider and take an example from Joseph and when we are faced with a dilemma, a decision, a hurt, take time to think about it. Think it through. Don't act on impulse. In Proverbs chapter 14 verse 29, a piece of advice that Solomon gives us. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. 
He who is in, in, you know what folly is? Trouble. He that's impulsive just walks right into trouble. You ever got upset, a little bit irritated, opened your mouth, and words just start tripping over your bottom teeth and falling out? And you think, oh, man, I, I wish I hadn't said that. Because we're impulsive. You see, Joseph wasn't impulsive. He took time to think about it. Joseph even slept on it. You know, there's a promise if you turn to the 16th Psalm, verse 7. And it's this verse, the promise of this verse, that makes it so imperative to slow down and think it over before we act impulsively. To slow down and give it some thought. In Psalms 16, verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. The Lord has given me counsel. If we don't give time for God to give us counsel, we're going to miss that. And we only get that when we slow down and think about it and even sleep on it. You know, uh, behavioral therapists, psychologists who deal with the issue of problem solving and creativity will actually tell you we're faced with a dilemma. Get as much information as you can. We're faced with a decision. Get as much information as you can and then sleep on it. Because your brain actually can sort through all of this when you're out of the way and your emotions. And therefore, by the morning, you can have some more answers. But now, spiritually speaking, this is what God said all along. Take your time to think it over. God will give us counsel and God will instruct us. In Psalm 73, verse 24, you will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. We like the second half of that. A lot of times that's what we focus on. But what happens until we go home to glory? God guides us with his counsel. He just wanted to do the right thing. So he took time to think about it. And no doubt he took time to pray about it. Because God gave him an answer. Let's look at the result of Joseph's thoughtfulness. His, re, his, his willingness to sit down and think about it. Number one, God removed his anxiety. Because he took time to think about it before he acted impulsively, God came that night and removed his anxiety. In verse 20, while he thought about these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Fear not, the way it says in the old King James. That's the third time that message has been mentioned in the Christmas story. The angel said, fear not to Zacharias. The angel said, fear not to Mary. Now the angel saying, fear not to Joseph. And he came, and because he was thoughtful and took time to think about it, the angel came and removed his anxiety. God saw the complete picture. Joseph didn't. Is there a chance when we act impulsively? Is there a chance when we rush into a situation that we don't see the complete picture? 
There's not just a chance. It's 100% certain we don't see the complete picture. But God saw the complete picture, and the first thing he did was remind him who he was. Joseph, don't be afraid. Oh, no, no, that's not what it says. It says, Joseph, thou son of David. Joseph, son of David. Joseph need to be reminded of this, that he was a descendant of David. Why is that? Well, look at Joseph's life. Joseph's life was hard. He was a carpenter. Carpentry dealt with a lot of hard physical work because there weren't power tools. We're going to look at carpentry tonight in tonight's service. There's a lot of details there that are important. But he was a hard-working man, and we know from Luke chapter 2 they were poor. They had to deal with option B when it came to provide the offering for Jesus when Jesus was named. And the offering B was for poor families. He didn't have a lot of money. He was a hard-working man with a lot of money. Oh, but it doesn't get any better. He was from Nazareth. Nazareth was the most despised town in one of the most despised regions among the elite of the Jewish people. So Joseph would probably think, here I am, <clears throat> a hard-working nobody. Nobody knows where I am. How can it get any worse? And then it does. He gets his heart broken. So it was the worst of the worst of the worst for Joseph. And Joseph may think, look, I'm just a nobody. The whole world looks down on me because of what I do, how much money I don't have, where I'm from, and now I'm embarrassed because of this situation. And the angel had to say, Joseph, Joseph, straighten up. Stand up straight. The world may look down on you, but you need to remember you've got royal blood in your veins. You are a son of David. Remember who you are. You're not just a nobody in a little small town having a rough time. You're a son of David. You're of the lineage of kings. What does that have to do with us? Life sometimes gets us down. Things don't turn out like we'd want. And things are definitely sometimes bad. Sickness, grief, hurt, personal relationships go south. Things happen that we don't like and that don't like us and we forget who we belong to. But what are you talking about? John chapter 1 verse 12, as many as received Jesus to them he gave the right to become, watch this, the children of God. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 26, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 8 verse 16, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Life sometimes gets us down. Other people may get us down. Decisions come and we're trying to make the right decision. We're in anguish. We're in hurt. And then God has to come and say, wait a minute, straighten up. You're a child of the king. You're a child of God. 
Remember who you are. You have royal blood in your veins. For those who are in Christ Jesus, you are a son of God. Let us never forget that. There's no such thing as a nobody in the family of God. You are somebody. And Jesus Christ loves you enough to give his life for you. He thinks you're special. He thinks you're something. Nobody else may think it, but God thinks you're something. You are somebody. You're a child of the king. He reminded Joseph who he was. He reminded Joseph who was in control. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Who was in control? The Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Pentecost hadn't come yet. You're talking about the Holy Spirit working? Oh, the Holy Spirit is working all through the Christmas story. And the Jewish people had an understanding of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a New Testament part of God. The Holy Spirit is part of God for all of eternity. And the Jewish people had an awareness of the Holy Spirit. And according to William Barclay, Greek scholar, the Jewish people connected the Holy Spirit, first of all, with the work of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters, present and in, in creation. In Psalms chapter 33, verse 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth. The word breath and the word spirit, same word in Hebrew, same word in Greek. The spirit was very active in even the creation of the stars. In Job chapter 33, verse 4, the spirit of God has made me. Now Joseph having problem believing what Mary had told him. No doubt. How can this thing be? And the angel said, Joseph, don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit's in control here. God's got this. And the God, the Holy Spirit, that can create the world from nothing, the Holy Spirit that can create the stars just by the word of God, the Holy Spirit that made me, this business about the virgin birth is very possible. It's very possible. Why? Because God's in control. Not man. Not the law. Not culture. God is in control. But also, secondly, the Holy Spirit was connected to bringing truth to men. And it's the Holy Spirit that gave Joseph the truth about what's really happening. But then thirdly, the Holy Spirit enabled men to understand the truth. You see, the Holy Spirit gave truth to the prophets. They were moved by the Holy Spirit to utter their words. The Jewish people knew this. But the Jewish people also knew it was the Holy Spirit that gave us the ability to understand those things that were so much God, we could never understand them humanly. And so, Joseph had his fears relieved because... The angel said, you know the Holy Spirit that can do anything, that can create anything? He's going to help you understand this. And the truth of the matter is, 
This baby is of the Holy Spirit. There's been no unfaithfulness here. And I'll help you understand that. That alleviated his fears. And he reminded Joseph, thirdly, of the promise of God's word. We continue on. He will bring forth the son. You will call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. So, wait a minute. He didn't even mention. He didn't even mention God's word. Oh, but turn to the 130th Psalm. The 130th Psalm. We're going to read the whole Psalm, just eight verses. There's an exclamation point here that has to do with everything this angel mentioned to Joseph. The 130th Psalm. Psalms 130, verse 1, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Look at verse 8. When he wanted Joseph to understand why he's giving him the name of Jesus, he said, for he will save his people from their sins. This was a promise given hundreds of years ago in the Psalms. You know what Jesus means? Jehovah saves. You're going to name him this because, listen, Joseph, he will save his people from their sins. Now, Joseph, being a devout Jewish person, knew about the promises of the upcoming Messiah. This is one of those promises. This is one of those promises. You remember what Mary told you about this being the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God? Give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. And in that statement, he reminded it, look, this is not a new thing. This is something I've been talking about for hundreds of years. And he relieved his fears with God's word. Listen. There's no way I know what you're going through. Wherever you're going through, whatever hurt, whatever dilemma, whatever decision, whatever problem you may have, God's word addresses it somewhere. There are answers in God's word. Joseph's fears were alleviated by a reminder of this right here, of this right here. And then God told him what to do. He relieved his fears. He told him what to do. Joseph won't know what to do. That, that's, the, that's why I was thinking about these things. He just won't do the right thing. So what does he say? Don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. First of all, take Mary to be your wife. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. He had two options here. A, go to the court. B, 
a quiet divorce. And the angel said, see, none of the above. There's an answer here you don't have. Where'd that answer come from? Came from God. Here's the other option. The one you haven't looked at. Go ahead and marry this sweet lady that you're engaged to. Then, adopt this son as your own. Now, where do we find that? You will call his name Jesus. You, Joseph, will call his name Jesus. This, this doesn't make any sense to us until we look at Jewish culture and Jewish law. When a father publicly named a child, he legally imparted to that child all of his legal status and identity, including, watch this, his lineage. Who is Joseph? He's a son of David. Who is the Messiah to be? And the Jewish people knew this. The Messiah would be called the son of David. And when he said, you name Jesus, he's saying that means you legally adopt this baby. So that tells me Jesus may have not been biologically Joseph's, but in the eyes of the Jewish law, he was every bit the son of Joseph, including, watch this, Joseph's pedigree, which went all the way back to David. And they could not deny this baby was a descendant of David through legal channels, which counted more than biological channels. And Joseph was an obedient man. We see two things about Joseph. What happened after he said that? It says, Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Now that word took to him his wife doesn't just mean he married her. Took to him his wife means he included her in every part of his life and provided her a home. He took to him his wife and gave her a home. Then it says, and he called his name Jesus. You realize in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, after eight days, he took Jesus to the temple and publicly registered Jesus as his name and publicly Jesus was identified as his son. He obeyed completely. Now, none of this would have happened if Joseph wasn't a thoughtful man. Now you see the importance? Stop. Think about it. Understanding who's in control. Who has options we don't see. Who has options that are more correct than anything we can dream of on our impulses? Stop and wait on God to give us the counsel he's promised. He'd have missed it all. What's the result of this? Do you realize Joseph received more angelic visits and messages than just about anybody in the Bible? Four times. Four times. Three more times after this. 
God comes to Joseph in a special way. Would that have happened if, jo if Joseph didn't listen the first time? Probably not. Probably not. So God gives him the message. You will call his name Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. That message is still true today. We prepare for an invitation on him. This message is true for you if you do not know Christ as your Savior. The psalm says, if you watch our iniquities, where do we stand? But there is forgiveness. And you'll call his name Jesus because that's where we'll find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and there's a dilemma you're dealing with. I, there's no way I can know, but you know, don't you? We've got a pattern of how to deal with these things, and God loves you. God can do anything, and God knows the complete picture. You got something you need to talk to God about this morning? Perfect time to do that. Stop. Slow down. Give God time to give you those answers as we stand and sing. Number 109.